0: Hello everyone. My name is attorney Ted Gudarf. Welcome to the Repair the Roof podcast. This name comes from President Kennedy's famous quote. The time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. In this show, we help individuals and families learn more about all things estate planning and elder law. Hi everyone. This is episode 13, 1031 Exchanges, or better yet, 1031 rollovers you know one of my favorite things to do is to teach my clients how to save taxes Today's session is going to focus in on the sale of investment real estate Before I get into that let's talk about the sale of a personal residence Most of you know that section 131 of the Internal Revenue Code allows us to sell our personal residence obtain a significant gain on the sale and that gain is exempted by virtue of the personal residence exclusion or exemption. Now, there are some rules. Primary rule is that it has to be used and owned as our primary residence. Number two It had to be used and owned by us for two out of the last five years. And those rules are really left up to the taxpayer to be able to establish. But if we follow the rules, we can exempt, if we're a single person, up to $250,000 worth of gain on the sale of our personal residence, or if we're a married couple, we can exempt Up to $500,000 as long as we file a joint return. So the sale of our personal residence is a very tax favored under the Internal Revenue Code. Now, another way to achieve tax savings on the sale of investment property is to do what is called an installment sale. Now, when we do an installment sale, we take the sales proceeds. And instead of getting a lump sum payment, we agreed to take it over a period of years. The purpose of taking it over a period of years may be to put the gain and our other income in a 0% tax bracket where the capital gains tax is completely wiped out. That can be accomplished uh, for a single person or a married couple if the total taxable income plus the gain do not exceed a very nominal amount of money, less than $50,000 for a single person and less than $90,000 for a married couple. What is critically important in most installment sales of significant investment property is that we keep the gain that we're gonna realize in any given year under the threshold so that we pay the 15% tax rather than a 20% tax. And again, if we're a single person, there is one threshold. And if we're a married person, it's a higher threshold. We certainly don't want to have to pay the 20% tax if we can avoid it at all. Well, if we're not talking about a personal residence, and we're not going to do an installment sale, yet we're going to realize substantial gain on the sale of investment property, what can we do to eliminate any capital gains taxes? Well, under the current tax code, we're allowed to do a 1031 rollover, oftentimes called a like-kind exchange. I think rollover is a better description because, in fact, that's really what we're doing with the gain that we're realizing off of the sale of the original property. We're going to roll it into a new property. What I want to talk briefly about today is I want to bring some clarity to the seven essentials that surround a like-kind exchange set forth in Section 1031 of the Internal Revenue Code. The first essential is that the property must be like-kind. That is, that the property that we're going to purchase must be like-kind to the one that we're selling. This is probably the most misunderstood aspect of it. It doesn't mean that if you have a rental property, you can't exchange it into a vacant lot, or it doesn't mean that you can't roll it into a commercial property. That's really not what we're talking about. We're really talking about investment property or property that's used in a trade or business. It must be held for investment purposes. Why do I say investment purposes? Well, that's opposed to say something like flipping property. Flipped property does not qualify because it's being held for sale rather than For investment. Therefore, flipping property will not allow you to defer any gain through the 1031 process. But you can take, as I mentioned, a lot and sell it and roll it into a condo. It is important to understand that while you can sell property to a related party, you can't be purchasing it from a related party as well. But that's the like-kind issue, and it focuses more on the use of the property. Is it being used for investment purposes? Now, the second essential element that we've got to understand is this 45-day rule. The 45-day rule says that 45 days after we close on the original property, and it starts the day after the closing, We literally count 45 days. It's calendar days. And we are required to identify properties, and we're allowed to identify up to three properties of unlimited value. We do have to identify them by address or legal description. And we have to provide that address or legal description to a person that we call a qualified intermediary. That must be an independent person. If the 45th day falls on a holiday or a Sunday, it doesn't matter. The rule is strict. It must be 45 days. Now, if for some reason we are going to identify more than three properties, the total value of those properties cannot exceed 200% of the sales price that we achieved when we sold the original property. So the safest route is to identify three properties, because when we only identify three, they can be of unlimited value. Now, the next requirement, the third essential, is the 180-day purchase requirement. What it simply means is that within 180 days of closing on the original property, we have to close on the new property. In other words, the 45-day and the 180-day period run consecutively. They run at the same time. It's a pretty simple requirement. We're just counting calendar days, and it is a hard and fast rule. If we don't meet it, then the transaction will be disallowed as a like-kind rollover. The fourth essential element is that we make sure that we use a qualified intermediary. Most title companies will have somebody designated uh, as their qualified intermediary. There's no license that they have to acquire to become one. They're not designated by the Internal Revenue Service. Um, On the other hand, it does have to be somebody who has a separate account so that the sales proceeds of the initial sale Get deposited into that account. In other words, you as the owner of the property, you as the seller of the original property, are not allowed to touch the funds anytime after closing. They have to be held by somebody else in a separate account. That is critically important. Furthermore, the qualified intermediary has to fill out the paperwork that gets submitted to the IRS with respect to the 1031 rollover. Just remember, if they fill out the paperwork incorrectly, the IRS is going to disallow the transaction as a proper 1031 rollover. So pick wisely, make sure you have somebody who's competent, who's done this before and knows what they're doing. Okay, step five, title must be mirrored in both transactions. Well, what does that mean? What it really means is that if your property that you own, that you're going to sell, is in your name alone, the gain that you realize to purchase the new property within the 180-day window must also be titled in your name alone. Now, if you, for some reason, say you're married and want the new property to be in a spouse's name, just know that before you sell the original property, you simply need to quit claim an interest in the property to them, and then they can be added on the new property. Also, if you have a partnership, the way to go about it is to understand that this 1031 rollover works with respect to the real estate interest, not the partnership interest. So if it is held in the name of a partnership, we're going to want to transfer the property out to the individual partners who then will sell that property in their name and then do the 1031 rollover in their name and acquire a tenanted common interest in the new property in their individual name. The sixth essential element that we want to talk a little bit about is to make sure that we reinvest an equal or greater amount than the gain that we achieved in the original sale if we want to defer 100% of the gain. Obviously, there's no requirement that we defer 100% of the gain, but that's most uh, often what my clients want to do. And so they just have to understand that the amount that they're reinvesting has to be equal or greater than the amount of the gain. Now, having said that, the IRS does allow us, when we're selling the property and realizing or calculating what the gain is, we can reduce the sales price by the sales commission or reduce our gain by the sales commission as well as the closing costs. And likewise, when we purchase property, we're allowed to add the commission to the uh, purchase price. And that helps us out a little bit. But it is important that if we want to defer 100%, that we make sure that we reinvest an equal or greater amount than the gain we realized in the first purchase. Let's talk briefly about the seventh essential. Now, the seventh essential that I want to talk about deals with reverse exchanges. A reverse exchange is simply when somebody says to me, We want to buy this particular piece of property prior to selling our current property and still do a 1031 rollover. Well, the IRS a few years ago decided it was going to sanction this kind of transaction, and they simply call it a reverse 1031 rollover. What is reverse? Well, you're buying the property first and then selling the current property second. The primary requirement is that the sale of your property that you currently own must occur within 180 days of the closing date of the purchase of the new property. So it is possible to buy a new property first, do the reverse exchange, and again continue to defer the capital gains tax. Now ultimately at the end of the day, What's the primary benefit or what we why are we really trying to achieve a 1031 rollover? Well, it's for this purpose. If we have investment property and maybe down the road we want to convert that investment property to our residence, as long as we own and use the property for 2 out of the preceding 5 years, we can utilize the personal residence exemption that I started this podcast with. So give that some thought. Maybe we're going to simply use this strategy to convert it to our personal residence and the entire capital gains tax will go away. Or think about this. There is no limit on the number of 1031 rollovers that we're allowed to do. It's important to understand that the capital gains tax goes away at death and our children can receive a step up in tax basis at our death. Therefore we can do successive 1031 exchanges as long as we follow the rules. And that is ultimately our goal. Our goal is to follow the rules to make sure we can avoid the payment of the capital gains tax as we Purchase, sell, and repurchase additional investment real estate. Well, I hope you found this podcast to be of interest. My hope is that it will provide some clarity and some confidence that will allow you to proceed to doing a 1031 rollover. Thanks for being with me today. until our next session, just remember, the time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. To get started with your estate plan, you can go to goodarflawcom forward slash getting started. For a free copy of our recently published book called The Ohio Estate Planning Guide, go to goodarflawcom forward slash book.